Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Huff from Twickenham. We are in October, so the Middlesex League feels like it's a long, long time away. We've only had three or four weeks, but the nights are drawing in, the clocks will soon be changing, and we'll all be getting ready to, to watch cricket at odd hours of the day and night around the globe. But there's still quite a bit, I think, that we could talk about to do with the last season, some of the highs, some of the lows, a bit of a wash-up, look at our predictions and and chew the fat on a whole range of issues. And of course, I'm, I'm not going to do that on my own. Sal Ali's with me here from North London. Sal, how are you? Dan, listen, those sun-baked evenings on a Saturday, sitting, sitting in clubhouses, supping a, you know, a nice drink, analysing the day's play. And long gone, aren't they? I mean, we're now into the doom and gloom months, aren't we? These are the ones I really, really hate. So especially what's going on, you know, all over the world or even in this country, for instance, makes things very depressing. So hopefully it'll pass by quickly and we're back on the pitch enjoying our cricket again. But yeah, it's going to be a tough few months ahead, I think. Yep, I think you're right. Although saying that, there has been quite a bit of interesting cricket on the TV in the last three or four weeks. I mean, I'm instinctively not a massive T20 man, but we've got a T20 World Cup coming up. England have just finished a seven-game series in Pakistan, and I watched quite a bit of it, Sal, actually. The 3.30 start time is brilliant for me with my kids because basically we come home from school and we can get a good hour, an hour and a half in before my wife decides we watch too much TV and turns it off. But but yeah, so I've watched quite a bit of it. Have you? I, I mean, what do you make of yeah. what you saw? Yeah, I really got into it. I mean, being Pakistan heritage, so mine, it's great seeing them back in Pakistan playing cricket and any yep. kind of format. You know, Pakistan fans, they absolutely adore the English. So as you can see, four houses, you know, lots of different ages watching cricket. So that's great to see that back in, in Pakistan sort of shores. In terms of the series, I think it was brilliant. You know, both sort of clubs, both, both sides, sorry, experimented. I think England have got real fun in Harry Brook. He looks a real good batter. Looked a good player, um, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he looks someone that could be, you know, in the world that could be useful. Pakistan obviously have two world-class players at the top, but the rest of the batting does need some work. So I'm sure they both, you know, got lots of sort of useful, you know, bits of info as they head into the World Cup, which I think starts, is it a week's time or two weeks' time, roughly? Yeah, I think it's it's a two-tier thing, isn't it? I think there's a little bit of qualifying goes on first and then the apparently more senior nations join in later. But it, it'll be honest before we know it. And uh, I don't know about you, Sal, but I, I've, got a, I've got a pretty tricky winter ahead politically. I mean, we've got the T20 World Cup followed by the Football World Cup. You know, it's, it's going to be sport galore. And of course, the Football World Cup is going to kick off at great times, late afternoon and in the evening. So, so yeah, I'm going to have to get negotiating to, to, to get as much of this on my TV screen as I as I possibly can. I have to agree with you about the Pakistan thing. I, I went there 17 years ago to watch England play and, and saw England get absolutely battered at the Lahore Stadium in a great test match that show back to our bold like the speed of light. And it was it was phenomenal. And I think it's, you know, it's brilliant to see four houses and good games of cricket. And the thing about Pakistan, of course, is they can be brilliant or they can be rubbish. And they can often do it within the space of about an hour. So, so there's always plenty to watch, isn't there? Do, do you think they've got a chance in the T20 or, or, or just not quite consistent enough? No, in the World I there's not enough depth in that batting. You've got Babra Zaman and Mohamed Rizwan at the top, but beyond that, they've showed in this series itself, there's, there's no one who sort of comes in and does that kind of roles that, you know, England have got people like Stokes, Butler in the past, even Morgan is now not playing no more, can come in and get quick runs, but useful runs, middle order. Bowling's not too bad, but, you know, you're playing in Australia yeah. and you've got to be looking at the sort of like, you know, Southern Hemisphere sides. Was it Northern Hemisphere? Whichever one in England would come in. I think that kind of, yeah, if you've got, if you use those kind of conditions on a regular basis, you've got to be one of the favourites, I think. I think that's a fair call. That's fair. Call. I mean, as much as I love watching Pakistan play, I'd, I'd be quite surprised if they end up winning this trophy. But you can remind me, I've just said that when they lift the trophy in, in a couple of months' time. But I, I definitely wish them well. I also went to another game, Sal, between now and the end of the season. And that was, it was actually on my birthday. I took my, uh, my, my, my twins to Lords on the 24th of September and came away. And uh, my twins are six. It's their first time ever at the home of cricket. And they loved it. It was quite a nice, warm day. And what was I explaining on the way home? 
mancads to six-year-olds. And did, did you see the incident with, with the dreaded mancad? I, mean, I didn't watch it live, but afterwards you couldn't miss it, could you, really? It was all over social <laughs> no, you media. Couldn't, it was, you're it was, right. It was rife, wasn't it? Did, did you tell me to call a run out, not a mancad, Dan, get the terminology right? No, I didn't. No. no he's failing I, there, yeah. mate. Dad, you know? And we were Googling Vino Mancad in 1957, I think it was, that he did it. And so, so actually, they know way more about Mancad than they should do, really. But, but yeah, of course, a run out now and she was out, wasn't she? The England batter. There was, there was, there's no way around that one. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? We spoke off here about it, didn't we? You know, if it, if it was six to need or seven balls and it happened, it's not a discussion point, is it, at all? No one even talks about it. But just due to the, the, the situation, the game where England, you know, could have edged home, it took place. And it was, you know, as I said, rife from social media and all over the news, which is a bit sad because, you know, we, we love our cricket. And for some reason, it, it, it was sort of creating negative headlines. And, you know, you only get all these discussions on social media, which extend from being a sport into cultural and political aspects, which are, you know, that's not what it's about, is it really? I don't hear that nonsense yet. Yeah, exactly. And of course, it deflected from the fact it was a good game of cricket, Sal. Not many runs scored, but it was an absolute rip-snorter. England were on the verge of pulling off a shock victory, but people are not talking about that anymore. They're talking about the dreaded run-out that, that took place at the end. But what, one other thing about that day, I was really sort of quite pleased to see it, is that, I don't know if you're aware, but Middlesex are, are awarding caps to those who they've neglected to award caps to in years gone by. And quite a lot of those are, are Middlesex women. And so we had six people from Twickenham there collecting caps that they should have got literally decades ago. And that they were by far from the only ones, a whole host of, uh, of people there. And it, it looked like a really good day. It was sort of reunion of old friends too. And I was quite, quite impressed that Middlesex are, are doing that. And I see Surrey are doing it as well. They're, they're giving caps to, 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 to women who've played for Surrey in, in decades, years gone by. And I assume most counties will do now. And I, I thought it was a good thing. And uh, if anyone from Middlesex is listening, I, I raised my cap to you as it were, too, because I thought it was a good do. Sounds right. Sounds good. Yep. All good. No complaints there. Back to the county league. Well, obviously, we haven't had too much cricket on the field to talk about because it's it, it, it's the close season. But one of the things we thought we would do was just talk a little bit about the predictions we made at the start of the season. And I, I should give you a big old-fashioned drum roll here, Sal, because you sort of stole the show, didn't you, really? I mean, there was four of us who who were on that pod. There was me, Sal, there was uh, Sahil Kerr from Acton, who knows Division 2 very well. He writes uh, a weekly review of Division 2. And Matt Robinson from Actonians, who, who looks at Division 3. And we all sort of sat down, scratched our heads, proclaimed we knew what we were talking about or didn't really proclaim that we knew what we were talking about, but made some predictions. And you got you, you did pretty well across the top four divisions, Sal, right? Talk talk us through what, what you predicted and what happened. So I won't, I won't try too much, but yeah, so I went for 10 and 10. Just in state the, the facts, Sal, the facts speak yeah, for themselves, don't worry. That's true. went for 10 and 10 in the Prem, who obviously were champions. Now, unfortunately, my the one prediction just fell by the wayside in the last sort of day of today's cricket. I'm playing much more hill here. They're now in my bad books because they should have been in Brunswick <laughs> on the last day. The game was in their hands. It looked like they're going to beat, you know, Brunsby and they second place. But Bron obviously got up the line and were champions. And I had Finchley, as my prediction, who came second by one point. So, not too disappointed about that. Division two, I went for Harrowtown, who were convincing champions this year. So, well done to Harrowtown. And Diffrey, I went for Wickham House, who also uh, were crowned uh, the victors of that league. So, yeah, in the top four, three out of four and one runner-up, not too bad. That is pretty decent. And, and I'll carry that on for you. Sal, because Besborough were your tip in Division 4. And Besborough, they had an almighty great charge in the second half of the season and narrowly missed out on promotion. They scored a shed load of runs, you know, a couple of ridiculous totals, you know, well north of 300. And I think the season came two or three weeks too early for them because they were flying so that they, they were not, not far off. And 
it was a similar sort of story, if in different circumstances, with Stallions in Division 6, right? They, they finished mid-table, but they didn't have to finish mid-table, did they? Well, that was my, yeah, that was my pick. So Stallions were my Division 6 pick. I was actually pretty confident before the season started because I did sort of a bit of research on them and knew some of the players have played at a decent level in the past. So you think in Division 6 it would be far too easy for them. But then they had sort of internal issues and... They, you know, to, well, small to sixty come. points deduction didn't help. Did yeah, it? exactly. So that, that that didn't help at all. And then they had two games where they won the game towards the opposition. I think there was an issue about the ground, and one they conceded. So in total, eighty points that they could have played for if they played by the rules and did the right thing, they could have picked up and they would have made them level with the winners' super kings and won four or five points. So that's the one that got away, I think, because just in terms of. You know, Stallions next season, get your act together, guys. Come on. Yeah, um, sort it out, Stallions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. come on. I will still, I'll, I think I'll stick to them next season if they're still around. But yeah. Well, I, th- I, I think others might follow your lead there with, with Stallions. And also, to be fair, the, the, the only one you've not mentioned, Division 5, you went for New Calypsonians, which wasn't the worst choice in the world. They were definitely towards the top half of the table rather than the bottom. I think they finished fifth in the end, but definitely looking up rather than down. Yeah. So um, I'll say it for you. That's a pretty impressive set of predictions, Sal. Your, your, your cricketing badgerness definitely uh, came to the fore there because you know, that, 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 that really is a good set of predictions. Others did get stuff right too, though, if, if I you know if I got this correct. Certainly Sahil Kerr from Acton, he got a couple right. He went for Wickham House, uh, like you did, and that, that obviously uh, came up trumps. He was uh, very much cheering Bronsbury's last day victory. Well, I suppose, I suppose he was because he played for Acton, but, <laughs> but uh, certainly it worked out for him in terms of his prediction because he went for Bronsbury. And he also went for Shepherd's Bush, which I thought, which they didn't win the league, but they had a very good season. And uh, no one else amongst the four of us went for Shade Boo. So, so they, they were on the podium at the end there. So I think Sahil's two correct predictions, and he went for Stallions, just like you did, w- w- was good. And he went for Old Eyes or Worthians in Division 4. And they, they finished second and they didn't have to finish second. They, they might well have pipped K-plus at the post there, but they did, didn't quite come off. So Sahil's definitely not quite had as good a season as you predictions-wise, but respect you. A lot of impressive performances there. Robbo, he got one. He got one right. He went for, I'm just trying to remember who it was now, oh, Teddington. So he, he got Teddington, spot on. And then a, a range of pretty good suggestions. He went for Old Eyes of Worthy in Division 4. He went for Kenton in Division 3. And, you know, again, all sides who, who, who just, who just well, they just, they went up, both of those two, yeah. but they didn't quite yeah. win the title. And, and Acton, he went for in Division 1, who were definitely towards the top. You know, they, they, they ultimately missed out, but were there or thereabouts. That leaves just one person in the force. Yeah, he didn't do so good. <laughs> I, let's just say I'm not going to fill in the national lottery anytime soon because clearly I'm pretty rubbish at it. So, so mine, mine were pretty, pretty disastrous across the board. I think the nearest I got was Swami Bapa in Division Five. Well, I thought I'd a, they had a pretty impressive season. They did very well, and they they did sort of think about going for the title but ultimately didn't quite get there and I think they finished third so that was as near as I got to the top I thought Headstone Manor was a particularly good choice in Division 4 do you not agree? Yeah definitely yeah, they, they went down Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that went well London Tigers a bit hit and miss in Division 3 but it ended up towards the top of the table but, but I was hoping they might be a bit a bit stronger and Southampton and Acton didn't quite work out in, in Division 1 and 2 and, and Ealing well yeah Ealing didn't have one of their better seasons either so I'm going to write this one off move on uh, and, and think about next season already, because that was, yeah, a pretty disastrous set of predictions on my part. But some otherwise pretty good ones from our, I'm not going to say experts, that sounds far too pretentious, but from our badgers who are interested in these things. It shows that they, you and, and Sahil in particular, might well be worth listening to when it comes to your, your knowledge of the league. So so well done, well done there. In terms of the, 
sort of the next thing I thought it might be useful to cover. If you go to the Middlesex County League website, then all four of the people I've just name checked there, so Robbo, uh, Sahil, myself, and Sal, have done a team of the year for our for the various teams that we've been covering. Now, I'm not going to go through all of them because, well, you know, they're on the league website and they've been there for for a couple of weeks, so you can have a look at them yourselves. But did, was there any anything that you wanted to flag up in the Premier League team of the year? Sal, any names that you perhaps didn't expect to be coming up with or sort of people who were particularly impressive? I mean, I guess Joel Curtis is the obvious first name on the list, right? And he, he had a phenomenal year. But anything else that you, you think is worthy of note there? I mean, there's a couple of positions that which I found pretty tricky. I mean, the batting almost picked itself in some ways because you've got Joel, as you mentioned, Steve Ryan-Gold, Michael Levitt from Stanmore. The one I sort of was sort of toying with the idea of Joe, Joe Carrasco, sort of, in the middle order for me, so I went with him. But we did have Harry Evans from Teddington, Sam Samai from Hampstead, and Adam London from Richmond, who also performed Adam Reed this season. So that was one of the tricky ones. And also, the slowest starts been now. In, in, in the last two years, Apps Karana would have been straight away almost first time on the list. But this year, he didn't take as many wickets as he does normally in the past. So he was in contention along with Ben Lockrose and Abdul Nazir, who played for Hampstead and Teddington. But I went for Apps just on the basis that he's just so hard to get away. I definitely feel sides when they play against him their game plan is to just almost just see him out if it's a limited yeah. overs game or if it's timed overs game just don't take risks and try and get runs from the other end and the fact he's bowled 50 maiden overs this year kind of highlights that really so he he got he got the job left arm spinner on my side but yeah that was a bit of a tricky because Ben Lockrow is a fantastic spinner I think his stats in one day cricket were not as good as time cricket so that's what swung it for me regarding him just in, in that situation where he's, he's very good in the time format Whereas in the one-day format, he didn't get as many wickets as maybe he expected to. And Abdul Nazir, again, good left-arm spinner. He's done really well the last couple of years. But I just went with that bit of experience. And Apps actually can hold about as well. He's got 50 against Tennant in this year as well. So he's showed that he can... So oh, he's competent. Yeah. yeah, so he can get some runs. So he, that, that was the two sort of positions where I was, you know, not 100% sure until I did some research and looked at stats and, you know, came up with what I thought was probably the best, best choice. But again, it's, I mean, this side I've got is a... Fantastic side, as Dan's mentioned, going to the league website. I'm sure you may, some may disagree with what I've done, but I think I've given each player a reasonable argument on why they should be picked. Have a look and see what you think. I think that's absolutely the case. They're there to be criticised, and rest assured, mine has been. <laughs> but but in, in, in very fair and logical ways. I found it really hard, Sal, and I found it really hard when I did 12 months ago and 24 months ago as well, because picking a cricket team is not just about the statistics. It is about thinking about other things that go on. And much as I follow Division One, in my case, I don't actually see that much of it because I'm either playing myself or, or, or I'm involved in Twickenham in some way. So, so it's really hard. And, and I, I was, as soon as I published it, I, I had sort of buyer's remorse because I, I wasn't quite sure whether I, I got things right. For example, I ended up picking three left-arm spinners, but I simply couldn't leave any of the three left-arm spinners out. Yeah, makes um, sense. I, and it was, it was, you know, I wouldn't really want, as a captain at least, to be going into a side with three, with three left-arm spinners. It wouldn't be the way I'd go. But, you know, you've got Kwar Kazmi at, at Harris St Mary's. Alex Brennan had a fantastic year at Acton. He's now got 339 league victims, which is pretty decent in the great scheme of things. 37 this season, an average of 14. You know, it, it, it's, you know, impressive stuff. And then the overseas player, um, Abe Tipnis at Winchmore Hill, another one who, who bowls a lot of overs. But if you look at his stats, 45 wickets at an average of 20. It's tough to leave these characters out. So, so they're in. But I can see a case for saying I should have picked two just because three left-arm spinners is, is probably not what you'd ideally want to go with. In terms of my other bowlers, Will Jones from North London was the first one I had on, on the list. Also bats a bit as well, uh, from yeah, what I understand. 
you know, positive character as well, as well. He manages to get quite a bit more out of other players, which is always useful. And, you know, he took 27 wickets at 14. So fitness concerns are there. But in terms of the best bowler in the league, well, I think Will Jones is in the discussion. So I couldn't leave him out. And Adam Copley at Bronsbury, another one. He, he's he, he's a top bowler, but so is David Byrne at Finchley. Both yeah. of them had really good seasons. 41 yeah. wickets with 39. I went for Copley, but I'm not really sure why. Um, I, I, I just just a, there's a feeling on it really, but Burton could quite happily um, be be very, very grumpy about not being in the team because he had a he took 41 wickets and did did really well. So I found it all very hard, and that's even before I thought about the batting. Um, yeah. The sort of easiest one for me was James Overy. One, he got a lot of runs, and two, he's got a track record as a captain. I know he can be grumpy, and he'd be the first to tell you that. But in terms of thinking about cricket, Overs does a lot of it. But Sahil Kerr's at number four. You know, he's got a happy knack of scoring runs against good sides. And so, yeah, and he can captain, you know, a captain's actor anyway. So, so he would have been an option, but I, I went for James as a skipper. Tom Pettit was in there at three from Harris at Mary's. Little bit of a chameleon type batsman, can be brilliant. A couple of centuries with 139 out in, uh, in one, but also as, as a couple of lean weeks as well. But he'll probably win you two or three games a season. And I quite like that. You know, players will win me points. So Pettit in there. Forrester from Winchmore Hill, just a solid season. Fifth top scorer in the division, 600-odd runs. Found, couldn't, couldn't really find a way past him, really. So so he, he was in there. The one mistake I think I've made, and I, I feel a bit bad saying it, Lucas Carlisle at number one, great season. But I think ultimately I probably should have gone from Finchley's, for Finchley's Gishan Herath. Good player, but had a really bad August. Didn't score enough runs, in, well, didn't score any runs, really, in August. And I think that swayed me to more towards Carlisle, who was, who was more consistent. But I think Herath had a good season, strong case to be in there. So... I'm almost sort of a bit defensive about my team because I can see loads of ways that it's wrong, Sal. I don't, I don't know if you had any angle on Division 1, if there's anything that you saw there that you thought you could have been done differently. I mean, what well, you could have done pick 12. I was at a squad of 12, oh, so yeah. you, you could have popped in Heraf or Burton into that, into that set of 12 right, players. Yeah. Or a squad um, of 16, yeah. Yeah, I don't go that far. <laughs> yeah, But still, I mean, I think Division 1 is top, top on this because there was no real outstanding batters like we had Ryan Golden you know, Joel Curtis and Steve McGiffin and Moran in, in, in the Premier Division who scored a load of runs where there was consistent players in Division 1 but no one who actually really sort of blazed yeah. away and then sort of got away and got to that sort of, you know, almost like four-figure mark. I mean, the bowling in that, in that division, I think that bowling is, is a Prem lineup. really. You've got Copland Jones, who are two fantastic team bowlers, um, Kyle Kazmi and Brennan, really experienced cricketers who know what they're doing, been this and done it. And Tipness as well, you know, he's proven in the last two years he's been at Winchmore Hill, what, what top player he is. And what would be interesting to see who bowls first out of, of the three spin bowlers, who gets the ball first? Who'd you go to? Toss of a coin. No, I mean, yeah. I, I think it depends a little bit what you want to do. I, I, I think, I, I find Brennan to be a bit more of an attacking bowler. I'm not sure if he would, how he would, AB would describe himself. But I, I think I'd, if, if I needed wickets, I might go to him first. He seems to have a good strike rate. If I want, Control, I'll probably go to Tipness. Not that the others don't have control, but he bowls a lot of overs and doesn't concede many runs. So that, that, that's my instincts. But I mean, I'm prepared for anybody to tell me I've got that wrong. But that, that'd be, I think, what I'd do. As I say, I'm quite persuaded, quite happy to be persuaded that I've got that wrong. We're not going to go through the other sides that are up there, but there are sides up there for, for Division 2 and Division 3. Have a look at them. Tell us what you think. Both Sal and I will be at the annual dinner. So if you want to bend our ears on those, then then buy us a drink and we'll listen. Will be will be the deal I'd want to strike. But in all seriousness, do 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 let us know what you think of those things. While I've mentioned it, annual dinner, Sal, it is on the horizon, right? Do, what do we need to know about that? So it's been held at the Lord's Nursery Ground mm-hmm. and it's taking place on October the twenty first. I think clubs have received some kind of allocation with their you know more about the Mead Dancy and the club secretary. 
Uh, yep. How's yep. it work? Yep, we've we've you should have received information from the league on this about getting two tickets per team in the league. So we, Twickenham have got five teams, so we, we we've got ten ten tickets. And because it's at Lords, it's a bit more expensive than I think many many people might want. But but it, it is what it is. I'm not 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 my job to to cost these things and to complain about them. But certainly the league will need to hear from you quite quickly. We're recording on Monday the third of October. They'll they'll need to hear from you within I, I think before the end of the week about how many tickets you want. So if if you're planning to go, get in touch with get in touch with the league about this. If you're if you've got questions about it, get in touch with the league about this and do it soon because clearly plans are gonna gonna need to be made. And and I think you know. Lords is the home of cricket and all that shebang. It isn't the worst place in the world to be having an annual dinner. So fingers crossed that as many folks as, as possible can get there. We've certainly got a big enough league. You think we should be able to, to get a few people to attend an event like that. And of course, if you're picking up a pot, then it is a very good place to be. You know, go there and get your get your award at the nursery ground at Lords if you've won the league. Uh, if, if you're in one of those one of those teams, so clubs like Old Eyes or Worthy and Sal, they should be there. Four teams. Four promotions. If they're not there, then uh, they're doing it wrong. But yeah, it, if 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 you if you won an award, then it, it'll be there that you that you get it. Cool. Thinking of other numbers, those of regular listeners will know that we we did each week talk about highest and lowest scores, and I thought it might make sense to to just run through some of the some of the highs and lows. There it won't take us long. Sal, can you? The highest score of the season was was by a first eleven, and it's a pretty ridiculous score, right? It was just before you carry on dancing, and also with the league's 50th anniversary. So it's a league dinner for that occasion, and also it's an awards night. So it's got two nights for the price of one, effectively. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's been 50th year of the league, as we know, and that we also celebrated. At Point Lord's. well made. Yes, yep. that, that's also another good reason to go. Yeah, exactly right. Cool. Now, if there was an award for the top scorer in the league this season, and I don't think there is, but if there were an award, London Super Kings would be getting it, wouldn't they? Well, they'll be getting it for two reasons. One for the highest first seven score and also for the highest MCCL top score this year. And it was 442 against Northampton Manor, who didn't sort of take it lying down. And they did give you know, gave it a good shot and responded with 332 for nine. So, yeah, that, that honour goes to London Super Kings this season. I mean, we said it at the time because this was back on, on the 10th of July. I remember talking about this game. You know, how on earth do you start chasing 442 when it's win-lose? Because, of course, even though most of the league is playing win-lose-draw cricket in July, they weren't. Division 6 was win-lose all the way through. So you sort of haven't got that much choice. I mean, you've, got, you've got to go crash-bang-wallet from the beginning. And it looks like Northolt Manor did, did, did at least try to do that. A couple of honourable mentions to Richmond, really. I mean, I know Richmond 1s and 2s have not had the best of seasons, but their 5s and 4s have scored a few runs because on the 15th of May, Richmond 5 scored 413 for 5 against Southampton 3s in, in the Division 3 of the third tier, which... Is worthy of mention anyway. You know, it, it is a massive score. But the week after that, Richmond Fours nearly beat it. They were 404 for four against Winchmore Hill in Division One for the third tier. So within seven days, Richmond Fours and Richmond Fives have scored 800 runs between them, which I thought was pretty damn impressive. I don't know how many players played in both of those games. Quite plausible that some did. But nonetheless, 413 and 404 in one seven-day period for Richmond Fours and Fives. Decent effort. Other end of the spectrum, some sides didn't do quite so well. What was the lowest score in the first 11 comp this year? So, um, Dan, before we get on to that, I want to entertain you with, I've just got a scorecard up from that game, London Super Oh, Kings. go on. More fun, yeah. You had one one guy, Niraj Raj, 78 of 35 balls, 6 sixes and 6 fours. Avnas Rick Cram, 114 of 62 balls. Mm. And this is a, the fact that you'll love the most, Dan. You know how much you love extras and wide, etc. Um, so in, here. Go on. In, in the Super Kings, there were 71 extras in total. And in Norfolk Manners, there were 64 extras in total. So what's that, 100 and... 130-odd. Yeah, yeah. 
not bad. And they finished oh, yeah. at what half past eleven. <laughs> That's what time they finished. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness! If anyone from Super Kings or Northampton Manor played in that game and they see me at the annual dinner, tell me what time you finished because it, it has to be being pitch black. It's amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. Great stuff. Okay. I should have looked at the game with the most uh, wides or see that can't be far off, can it? Actually, that's got to be a contender, definitely. It has got to be, indeed. The other end of the spectrum, the lower scores. Yeah, so Titans had a rough season this year. So hopefully next season things get better for them. And they had a bit of a tough day out against East Coast, 37 all out in 14 overs. And East Coast got there for the loss of no wickets. That was a game where young George Harvey carried his bat, the carrier bat, I suppose, when the game's over like that. Yeah. And didn't score runs, but obviously. I salute him. Um, As an opening bat, I, I want that on my CV. I carried my bat and we won the game for naught, not out. It's just brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. So that's, yeah, and they weren't the only ones who got 37 all out, were they, Titans? There was two sides who ended up with that. Okay, I've got here, Dan. St. Newton, yes, yeah, so St. Newton, actually, yeah. So, a bit of a rough day for him as well. So, against SKLPCC. St. Newton, 37 all out, and SKLPCC, comfortable winners, as they scored 207 for nine batting first. So, yeah, that was a bit of a tough day at the office for the St. Newton boys. Yep. And I always think August is that you're getting into the period of the summer where you're scoring lots of runs, but I suppose it's also a holiday period, isn't it? There's also other things going on. So that maybe that maybe ex- would explain why why sides are really struggling to, to get people out and perhaps they're getting struggle to get batters out. And pe- perhaps that explains some of these low scores. Because we did have quite a few in August that were close to that. Although the lowest score in the league across all of the tiers was in July, wasn't it? Fourth of July. It was indeed. Um, which were twenty six seven played Crouch and six eleven, which were twenty all out and having seen Crouch and post. 171 all out. So, yeah, that was a bit of a disappointing day for the Winchmore Six guys. Yeah, the only way is up, as Yaz once said in the 1980s, after something like that. Having said that, there were a few 20 pluses. I think it was a 28 and a 29 as well. But Winchmore Hill sort of take the, the metaphorical crown there with, with 20 all out. There's always next week, as they say. Any other numbers that caught your eye throughout the season? I mean, there's a whole range of stats on there. Paul Smith has a phenomenal job with stats on, on the website. But if I, if I was to ask you to pick three numbers that would, would define your season, what, what would they be? And one of them would be, for me, I know Joe Curtis has got applauded this year with Batson, and rightly so, and some of the stuff he's come up this year has been unbelievable. But, I mean, Steve Rheingold, 96 average, like to 96, 0.09 to be precise. And he hasn't played four games, has he? Or five games? He's a proper average. He, he missed two, yeah. He missed yeah. two this season. I mean, that's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. I mean, this is this league is one of the toughest, you know, you, you'll get in, in Premier League cricket. And to achieve that just shows what fantastic player he is. So that, that's one that I really sort of found really impressive this year. The other one, which was it was a great partnership in the season, first game of the season. Harrow went and took on Eden Trail Finders. Eden Trail Finders, Newly promoted, probably thinking, oh, you know, let's well, see how... Welcome to the about. new division, fellas. Yeah. Exactly. Welcome to Tade, Carl, Mark and Ronald Etienne, who got an open stand, I think it was in 346. It may not be an open, it might be somewhere, but anyway, huge score. And, and I've, I've umpired Etienne. And that guy, when he gets going, he's an absolute monster. He hits balls everywhere. But he was actually outscored by Carmichael, who was almost out six and out forward him. So... To do that, you've got to be some player. Um, unfortunately for Harrow, that was his only game he played for him because I think when up north and probably got paid reasonable time money to go and play Silly money having that on your yeah. seat. 346. That's a yeah. ludicrous um, partnership. But that's Brilliant. a bit of a really great rating for Indian Trail Finals. You didn't get, you know, didn't find life any easier after that game. So, but yeah, that was the one that also sort of stood out for me, that, that, that partnership. And just how destructive it must have been. There must have been balls getting lost and flying everywhere because, as I said, Etienne is not a place to hang around. And if he's out, been outscored by Carmichael, then he must be even more destructive than he is. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that, that is a standout figure. Any more that caught your eyes? One more? I think I asked you for three. So you had, the, you had Steve Rheingold. We had 346. If, any other numbers that caught your eye, for better or for worse? Okay, I'll, I'll chuck in one here. I'll do the lowest batting average rifle. And it's going, to, it's going to be a tail ender, isn't it? So there's no harm in discussing this. Raggle, uh, Retro Rule, Pinner Challengers, 11 innings. So I kind of looked for the criteria for me was 10 innings or more. He's played 11 innings or added 11 innings. Six not out, so he's quite hard to get out. He's no, no, absolutely no mug with a bat. High score four, and average is one point four zero. One point four. Okay, yeah. there is room for improvement there, so I don't care where you're bat. There's, there's room for improvement, but um, we've got to try. Well, we're watching next season if we can see if we can get more than four runs in one game. That's his target. We'll, we'll keep an eye on him. And of course, he's inside the bowl, isn't he? You know, he's fair play. Yeah, I mean, not, exactly. you know, Ragglewood. I'm sure say the batting is probably not his strong suit, but but yeah, one point four. Okay, that, that's a number worth. Not, I think. Even I managed to average more than 1.4 in most of my seasons, I think. So, so we'll have a look how he gets on next year. If I were to pick out three, and there's loads that you could pick out from the website, there really is. I, I did like Abhishek Gag, Gagnasia's 228 not out for London Super Kings. I mean, there's I individual scores and then there's I individual scores. I mean, a double hundred in a limited overs game of cricket takes takes quite some doing. So that was a top score in the league this season, 228 and out, London Super Kings in Division 6. So well played to Abhishek if he's, if he's listening. And also, I mean, I often think that scoring runs is, is, is sort of, you know, that's the glory part of it. But if you want to get promoted, you need to get people out. And if you get people out, then, you know, then ultimately you're going to be in a good position to win games even when you don't score runs. So if you look at the bowlers and who did what, then for me, you know, we're looking at someone like K+, not a team I knew much about, but they won the league, Division 4, and one of their bowlers, Jesh Kumar Patel, he averaged 8.05 with the ball. He took 20 wickets and averaged 8. And I, I bet the instinct is to look at who scored runs for K+, but I suspect if you've got a bowler taking, you know, taking wickets that frequently, then, then, then he's doing... Then that's, that's a big help. It's a big help for the team. Also, in terms of catchers, Steve McGiffin... That was my third one. He took 18 catches this year, Steve McGiffin. That's the highest in the league. When I mean, he's an outfield player, I don't think he kept at all. I, I, I wasn't aware that he was a keeper of, of any note. So 18 catches. So, I mean, I guess on average, that's one a game, which doesn't sound that dramatic. But it doesn't have help when people catch the ball. Um, and, and I think having 18 catches in, in a season is a good... I've certainly got nowhere near 18 in a season. And I never felt... I always fielded quite close to the bat because I can't throw. So, so respect you to him for, for doing that. That's... For me, a decent effort. Cool. Anything else that caught your eye, Sal? Any any other AOB before we before we wind things up? Just on McGiffin, I know I'm sure it's one game where he took five. At I think that's right. Yes. Yeah, and he's right. a sip, sip, sip so he's in the action there, and if he's here on a regular basis, just to come back to the points that you mentioned. So your your man, um, Abhishek um, Gaganeja, his innings actually yep. was only 139 balls, so two two eight of 139 balls, 34. Fours and eight sixes, and quickly come back to the the Harrow guys. Actually, they were twenty seven for two at one point. So I thought Trailfire must be thinking life isn't too hard in this division. Yeah, we got a chance here until these two rocked up and hit that mammoth partnership, which was. Uh, Do you have the scorecard to hand? What what did Harrow end up on? Because they they must have ended up somewhere near four hundred. So Harrow, I mean, I think they ended up three. I think it scored up right now. Give me a second. It was it was nearing. It was nearly 400, obviously, just just the body with yeah. runs they scored. But both both of them were just, you know, seeing the ball everywhere, I imagine. And the game was played on the first game of the season, actually. It was the first game. And Harrow scored 382 for free. And Carol Finders, obviously, were nowhere yeah. near that. But, yeah, Carmichael scored 188 of 140. He was 188 not out of 140 balls. 
and Etienne 138 of 102 balls. So wow, would have been worth 20, watching. I have to say, yeah. oh, that would have been fun. Definitely, well, not if you're a trial finders fan, but anyone else, I'm sure we had a good time watching that. But yeah, absolutely, and yeah, that, yeah. that was that was pretty perhaps pretty impressive. But yeah, that, that's that's my sort of yeah highlights for the for the season. Cool. Well, highlights in terms of numbers, but I was going to sort of round things up by just asking you, you know, what, what was your highlight of the season, Sal? And this can be a, a great performance. It can be just something that you, you'll always remember or, or, or something that you saw that was like just really left field or weird or nice. What would that highlight be? Good question, Dan. Obviously, I've umpired a few games this year, so there were lots of good cricket that I saw. And, you know, there's, there's so much talent and there's so much quality on show in the MCCL on a weekly basis. Oh, actually, for me, what was really good, actually, I did an MDL game and we had Michael Levitt from Stanmore batting. He's obviously came over here and had a really good season and Dave Burson was bowling to him. Now, Dave's, Dave sort of plays the MDL stuff as a as a coach and to bring a young lad through. So he's really there as a sort of a, a mentor and a guardian-like kind of character. But he went and bowled a ball to Levitt, who I think maybe hit a boundary or did something. And he kind of realised this guy's a good player and obviously he knew who he was. And he really cranked it up and it was really good battle between those two, two or three overs where... You know, you've got two top-class players going at each other. And Burton had the last half when he cleaned them up. I think it was second ball left of his spell. So I really enjoyed that, actually, from a person who was just watching two top cricketers um, really, really yeah. fighting it out. But good, good, but, you know, respect for each other. And, yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that as an umpire, just watching that and seeing how, how that was going to play out. So it seemed to be sort of a few more opportunities like that to come up again. But, yeah, that was definitely my sort of as a highlight. But, again, you know, weekly and week out, I mean, you know, as I said, I'd get home and watch sort of some clips on YouTube, and there were so many performances that took place, which are, you know, really, really good. And again, just highlights the quality we have in our in our league. Yep. No, I'm the same. I, I can't name an individual performance or an individual game. There was there's so much that was fascinating that you, you just randomly picking one that you happen to remember at the time. You know, there's so much good cricket out there. But the, the one the one story I heard that I I liked, and, and there were loads of stories, and I'd really encourage people to let us know about these so that we can talk about them. I don't know if you remember, but Harris and Mary's fours were playing in time cricket and they were 87 for nine. And the, the, the skipper of Harris and Mary's fours said, pitch is not great. Number yeah. 11's rubbish. Sod it, we'll declare. <laughs> and so he declared at 87 with, you know, which is not, not a, that, much, that many runs, basically because he didn't think his number 11 was going to score any. And they ended up winning by one run. Bowled the oppo out, 86 all out. And I just thought that, that cricket is a ridiculous sport in many ways. And, and we love it for that ridiculousness because declaring on 87 and winning by one run, the, the bloke's a genius, isn't he? Yeah. You, know, you know, what a call. And I've never heard of anything like that before. But I thought that was, that was a nice story. And I'll, I'll remember that one moving forward. Uh, and, and Tony Wright was the man who filled me in with the details of that. Harrison Marys, Harrison Marys legend there. But that, that, that type of thing is the, is the type of thing I like more than anything in cricket. The, the, the odd idiosyncrasies that you don't really get in, in, in other in other sports cool so i'll let you go we, we've you know we've covered a whole range of issues there and we could have covered plenty more just one last thing about our agenda for the winter we will be speaking to various folks through the winter right we're not going to vanish completely for the next 31 weeks but probably am i right in saying once a month or so yeah hopefully yeah i mean if time's not an issue really in my, my my part i mean we don't want to bombard people during the winter so and also keep eugene it's stressed out all the continues to do all of the fantastic yeah, I, mean, I mean must mention Eugene for the work he does off the scenes it's fantastic you know he's involved in other stuff as well which he does as well so the fact he just takes time to do this is, is brilliant and without him this podcast would not take place would so we could be Eugene to mention yeah it's hopefully like you said Dan once a month would be good just to add to as well we should be at the dinner so if you do see us please be kind to us and come yeah. over and say hello we um, didn't mean whatever we said honestly yeah it was Dan's fault he told me to say it yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, but yeah definitely yeah so we look forward to that 
cool. And we are open to ideas about things that we should talk about, you know, whether it's people to speak to. And we have got one or two ideas of our own, but we'll, we'll, we'll obviously move those forward in due course. But open to all, all suggestions if you have any. In the meantime, Sal, have a good two or three weeks and we'll, we'll reconvene at Lord's. Cheers, Dan. See you soon, mate. Yeah. yeah. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye.